So all the way back, Genesis 2.15, and Jehovah God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Do you think that when God put Adam in the garden, that he gave him the resources, both intellectually and physically, to do the job that God gave and expected Adam to do? Or do you think God put Adam in the garden unequipped? Not adequate to do the job. Now, I think most of us would answer that and go, well, of course he put him there with all the resources and gave him the intellectual and physical abilities to do the job that he wanted. That, that just, how else would it be? And I agree, if that's what you're thinking, God absolutely created in Adam everything Adam needed for his some 900 years of life. I forget the exact one. Methuselah got 969, and Adam was way up there too. But God fully equipped Adam for the life he created Adam to live. Now, I want you to think about that a second, because I've got three real crazy questions for you, but I'm serious. How do you think Adam would have done in the NFL or the NBA? What kind of football player would he have made? You think he'd have been a good basketball player? No, I'm serious. Are you going, well, that's stupid. Why does it matter? I wonder how he would have done on American Idol or The Voice. Of course, he wasn't around. And then I get that, but let's just play my game for a moment. And so Adam steps up to the microphone. Do the judges wow? Oh, they go, you're out of here. How about if he'd been on The Apprentice? Would Donald Trump been impressed? Or would Donald Trump said, you're fired? Now, all of this is totally, absolutely irrelevant. I get it. And that's really the point. How would you do on the NFL or the NBA? I can't walk and chew gum hardly. I, I'm, I am traditional male. I can do one thing at a time, and doing two really gets challenging. You women multitask in the kitchen and with the kids in the laundry room all at the same time. That just astounds me that you can do that. But that's the way God made you, and that's a wonderful blessing. You complete us narrow-focused men. American Idol or The Voice. What does it matter how you would do on American Idol? the voice. Some people can sing and some people sing quite well. Most people sing average and that's fine and some people have trouble carrying a tune in a bucket. That happens now and then too but who cares? And who cares what Donald Trump thinks about you? I don't give a, a, the slightest concern to what Donald Trump's opinion is of me and his only concern of me is what button am I going to push when I vote? Isn't that kind of sad? God created me and God created you with everything you need to live a successful life and to do the job he gave you to do, which incidentally, let me just tell you that answer and then I won't come back to it. I don't have it up here, but it's Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. You can say it with me. The whole duty of man. Do I even need to finish it? There's your job. There's, there's what you got, and you are totally equipped to do just exactly that and live a deep, wonderful, fulfilling life pursuing your dreams. And when you get to the kind of nonsense that, well, yeah, but I, I, I just wouldn't be a good football player. I don't care. Who cares, really? These, I'm going to get in a little bit of trouble here, I'm sure. These parents that think their baby is going to be the next superstar on the baseball team in the major leagues 
or on a basketball team or so on and so forth. And I want you to love your babies. And if your babies love sports, let them pursue sports. But come on, if you're really thinking they're going to be the next professional sports player, get a talent scout to come in that really knows talent and let him wake you up from your dream. And don't mess up your kid's life thinking you're going to be a superstar. Let him be a super Christian. Let him be a super mom, a super dad, a super member of the community. And if they're that one in 100 million people that can make the cut at the pro level, then sure, great. But let's be realistic. American Idol or The Voice, if you love to sing, there's nothing wrong with singing. Singing's great. But who cares if you can't, which most of us will never make the cut. If we tried an apprentice, ain't even going to mess with Donald Trump anymore. So we, we all do this. We start comparing ourselves to other people. Now, as Christians, we're going to do it more often with Bible characters. So that's supposed to be Moses. Moses excuse me. That's supposed to be Noah taking his little ark in the background, which doesn't show up well there. And uh, anyway, <clears throat> when you think about yourself and your Christian life compared to Noah, what do you think? I mean, Noah rocks, right? Well, except for that thing with the vineyard and getting drunk and naked that one time. But other than that, Noah rocks pretty much, right? How does your life compare? Don't do that. Don't even play that game. If you think about Joseph and the coat of many colors and everything Joseph went through and how he ran away from Potiphar's wife and he was exalted to number two in all of Egypt, and you go, boy, that really rocks. It does. That is awesome. How do you compare? Don't do it. Don't even start to compare. Look, there can be one Noah... And there have been 106 billion people on planet Earth. We can't all be Noah. We can't all be Joseph. Now, you can have a coat of many colors if you want, but you can't be Joseph. It doesn't work that way. How about David and Goliath? Boy, now there's some, yeah, boy, that's great life right there, except that Bathsheba thing. Otherwise, we've got something, and you go, he, man, he's a hero. He is. But, you know, you can be a hero to your kids or your grandkids or your neighbor, or to your parents. There's a lot of ways to be a hero. Or how about Jonah? You go, well, Jonah, yeah, that's still pretty cool, isn't it? He got to march through Nineveh and converted the entire city of Nineveh, which is estimated to be really, really way bigger than Pine Bluff, but the estimates vary all over the place, so uh, sometimes upward to a million people. And um, you look at that ministry and go, whoa, I'm not doing too well. Don't play that game. Now, number one. There can only be so many Peter, Paul, these guys, name other characters. They're going to be one of those. They're going to be one Moses. We can't all be a Moses. I'm sorry. That's just the way it works. And so we don't play the comparison game. We understand God created me, and I'm thinking me right now, this package, this genetic thing that he put together in my mother's womb, he put it together to do everything he wanted it to accomplish. My goal is not to be looking at somebody else and going, oh, I wish I was. My goal is to be the best me that I can be and understand that I am absolutely enough to do exactly what God wanted me to do. And really, I'm a little bit on the lazy side. I'm glad he didn't call me to be a Moses. I don't want to have to march up to the White House ten times and have an encounter with Trump. I got other things I'd rather be doing. I'm glad he didn't make me a David. I don't know if you know it, but I'm really not the warrior type. And if I was looking at a guy that was nine foot tall, I'd be kind of thinking what David's brothers were. You need to get away from him. Get back. You know, I just, I, that's not my thing. He made this one, though, exactly like he wanted it to do exactly what he wanted to do, which let me just really smooth over the top of this, to love and cherish my wife 
to raise my kids in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to the best of my ability, to be a good Christian in my community, a good friend and a good influence, to let my life shine. That's pretty easy stuff. I can do that. And I got everything I need. And you have everything you need to do just exactly that. And you don't want to mess it up by comparing yourself to a whole lot of other things. So God created you with enough talent to get the job done. Anytime somebody starts whining they can't, they need to step back and evaluate what they're saying they can't. I can't play NBA basketball. I can't play schoolyard basketball. But that's all right. That's, we're not worried about that sort of thing. But when we start to look at the responsibilities of life and we start whining we can't, uh-uh. Yes, you can. Because God created you enough to do exactly what He wants you to do. And I'm not real big into Dave. God has a special purpose for your life. Must be cars, incidentally. I'm, I'm not real big into that personal customize each individual thing as some folks are. I believe that when God has a purpose for my life, I'm going back to Ecclesiastes 12 and 13, the whole duty of Clarence is to fear God, keep His commandments. I look at the situation Clarence is in. I'm married. i got kids. I'm in a community. And that means i got to nurture and cherish my wife as my own flesh. i got to respect my community. i got to behave. And, I, you know, that, that kind of thing is what I think. And he gave me everything I need to do that. And he gave you everything you need to do that too. Now your individual details will be different than mine, and that's fine. But he gave you everything you need to do to get from point one, that cute little baby picture, which I keep a little baby in the corner here to remind you of that, that cute little baby phase all the way to the golden street. He gave you enough to make that journey. Don't let comparisons trip you up. Now, as the little heading says, this is not a new problem. People have been doing this comparing themselves to other people forever, except for Adam. Well, who did he compare himself to, right? Now, maybe later on in life he got to, but early up he didn't. So when they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you reasoning on the way? But they held their peace, for they had disputed with one another on the way who was the greatest. Can't you see it? The 12 disciples walking with Jesus, witnessing miracles that you and I would love to have seen, and they're on the way traveling with Jesus, fussing about who's going to be the greatest. I'm better than you know. These are not, and it was a comparison game. And it's something that's been going on a long time. Peter wasn't above it. Peter got into it. This is after the resurrection. And they're together, and Peter turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved, following that this is a reference to John, who also leaned back on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is he that, who, that betrayeth thee? And that's all a reference to John and, and what have you. And Peter, therefore, seeing him, John, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? You see what's going on? Peter's not just looking at, okay, I'm Peter and I've got a job, and I've got a responsibility, and I've got to be faithful. He's like, yeah, and, and I get that, but, 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 but what about? And did you get Jesus' answer right ahead on me? Jesus said unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. In other words, if I may put it in a modern paraphrase, Jesus said to Peter, What I do with John is none of your business. You need to be paying attention to Peter. Don't play the Peck Harrison game. If, if God, Jesus, had willed that John live until the second coming, so what? 
That would be really cool, wouldn't it? Because we would know where he's at, and we'd go talk to him, and we'd ask him questions, but he didn't. That was a misunderstanding in the, the larger story there. But it didn't matter. So, so God had a different plan for Moses. Great. I'm glad Moses did it. So God had a different plan for David. Awesome. We have wonderful stories for Vacation Bible School now, you know? What if, what if David had gotten to the comparison game, though, and started going, well, I'm not as good as Saul, and I'm not as big as Saul, I can't even wear his armor. And, you know, it came to his senses, so to speak, and just slunked off home and never picked up those stones and that sling. If David had had that attitude, we'd have never known the story, would we? You see, you can't have that comparison attitude. You've got to go, look, this is me, and this is what I know I can do. David said, I've killed a lion and a bear. I know what I can do. And this Goliath, this dog, won't be any different. And he was right. But he didn't play the comparison game. David looked at David. And so you, you don't, don't get into that. Oh, hey, that came out better than I thought it would. I, I like this picture. This is right out of the dictionary, unique. I don't know why that little question mark showed up there. That's just a little glitch, I guess. Um, being the only one of its kind, unlike anything else. I want you to look at yourself or look at the person sitting next to you, in front of you, behind you, whatever. You mamas can do the behind thing because you've got eyes in the back of your head. And I want you to understand that that person sitting next to you is truly, by definition, absolutely unique. One of a kind. There is no other one. That's exactly, we are, to, to use the, the old term, we're snowflakes. They claim every snowflake is different. Out of the 106 billion people that have populated planet Earth, there have been a couple that look more like you than others, and there's some that sound a little bit more like you than others, but there's never been another you. And the one that puzzles me, I had a lady walk up to me once and go, are you Dutch king? And I thought, man, I don't look anything like Dutch, do I? Nonetheless, you know, some people just don't have good vision, I guess. But there's only one person that can be a perfect Clarence, and that's Clarence. And Clarence is going to mess it up if Clarence decides he needs to be a perfect D. Bowman or my other favorite preacher, Harold Turner. If I decide I need to be a Harold Turner, then I'm messing it up. God already created a Harold Turner, and he already created a D. Bowman, and now he created a Clarence. And Clarence needs to do what Clarence can do, and Dave needs to do what Dave can do, and Vicky what Vicky, and Sharon, and Brendan, Mark, and so on and so forth. Everyone needs to go, look, let's see what God put in this grab bag, this box, this surprise package, this whole biological thing. Let's see what it'll do. And not play the comparison game and get all worried about what other people can do. Admire what they can do. Let it inspire you, but don't get messed up and lose your uniqueness. God created you, as David said, in your mother's womb. You are a special, unique piece of God's artwork. Now be it. So let's talk about singing a second. So um, I'm going to miss my parts. We've got soprano and alto and bass and tenor. I got them out of order, but I got them. So let's say the bass singer hates himself because he can't sing soprano. Kind of messed the quartet up, wouldn't it? If you don't have a good quartet, Oak Ridge Boys, you've got to have that guy that can do the oom-papa, um, oom-papa, um, well, well, get way down there. Without him, the song would have never worked. But I don't know that he could sing tenor. You take where you're at. And so the oom-papa um, guy goes, I'm a good bass. And the other guys and the tenor and all whoever they are, they go, well, I'm a good this, this, and this. 
and they brought their talents together and they had an awesome career that made many of us smile and enjoy their music. The Statler brothers did it. And then you have singers that all excel and are awesome in their own way. And this is, this is one of the things. Elvis Presley, not going to say much about his moral life, but you had Elvis Presley. He, he was awesome. Then you had that Dylan guy. I don't even know how he ever got recorded myself, but nonetheless, he, he found a niche and it worked for him. That, that's the way those kind of things work. And you, you just understand that different people bring different things to the table and it can all be wonderful. And I wonder how many, I wonder how many professional singers there are today. Now, I don't, I'm not talking top ten stars of all time. I'm talking about professional people that actually get paid to sing. And none of them sing exactly alike. Writing's my thing, and there are hundreds, thousands, hundreds of thousands of writers, and none of them write exactly alike. They all bring their talent in a different way. That's awesome. Now, you have, that's what you've got to learn. That's, that's kind of what I'm trying to hit here. So what I want you to do is I do want you to look at other people. I think the Bible tells us to do that. In Hebrews 12, 1, he says, Therefore let us also, seeing we are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witness. Now, pause there. Chapter 11 was the whole Hall of Fame of Faith that we like to talk about, and it started all the way back there with what um, Abel, and it starts working its way up, and it talks about Abraham, and it talks about Moses, it talks about a lot of unnamed people also, and then there was no chapter 12 when whoever wrote Hebrews wrote it, and most think it was Paul. It just went straight from the end of chapter 11 into, therefore let us also, seeing we're encompassed about by so great a cloud of witness, and the writer is saying, Look at all these people. Look at what they did. And let it inspire you to be faithful too. And so he said, Lay aside every weight, the sin that which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Do look at other people. Do look at David and Goliath. Do look at the heroes that, that you like to look at and let it move you and say, if they can do it, I can do it. But don't look at them and go, oh, I could never do that. I've learned to be cautious with this next statement. Some of you know why, but I won't tell the story now. But you know, I've said for a long time, if a human can do it, you know the rest of that already, and you are human, then chances are you can do it. Now, there's a funny story where I had to start backing off of that one because it just didn't always work. But I want you to still kind of hang on to that idea. Are you human? Is it within the realm of human possibility? Now, you're going to have to, you're going to have to work with me a little bit. Am I saying you're going to be able to sing opera? No, I'm not. But you all just sang a church song, didn't you? If a human can do it, sing, and you're human, then chances are you can sing. I didn't say you'd be professional, but I said you can sing. You don't get the comparison thing in the defeating way. You get the comparison thing in the inspiring way. If those people in chapter 11 could be faithful against the things they were faithful against, even to death, then I can be faithful in my rather mundane life. Ought not to be any problem. That's, that's the direction you want to go there. So, you let other people make you better. You let iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. 
We encourage one another. We motivate one another. We admonish one another sometimes. We do the things we do to bring out all of that that's been planted inside you by God, all of that wonderful creation, so that you can get to your life, as one poet said it, without having your music still in you. You took the music God put in you, that's all poetry, and you played it out in the course of your life. Instead of sitting in the corner going, well, I can't. I can't play the music of my life. Yeah, you can. And there'll be people who thought you hung the moon for a while. Kids did for a long time. Thought I could do anything. They grew up and learned better. Grandbabies thought so for a while, but Madeline's starting to figure out it ain't necessarily so. And that's all right. You've got to have that wakening up. But you, you can be so much to so many people in that circle we call family and friends. This is a little thing. I don't know if you can read it from where you're at. It went around, oh, maybe back in the 70s or the 80s. I know I'm special because God don't make no junk. Remember that? And God don't make no junk. Not at all. God never made any junk. Now, I'm going to take you to a verse that's problematic, but I, it, it makes this point. Sometimes what we call junk is not junk. Because, now that ain't Bible, but I'm going to stand by it. God don't make no junk. So here's Moses at the burning bush, and he's trying to get out of his job. So he must have had a little lazy streak too. And, and God's working with him and talking to him. In the midst of that conversation, Jehovah said unto him, who had made, hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh a man dumb, or deaf, or seeing, or blind? Is it not I, Jehovah? Now let that soak in a minute. God just told Moses, I made the deaf. I made the blind. I made those that are, I'm not sure what dumb was. Was that both deaf and blind? Uh, anyway, he said, I made them. Now, I just told you, and I'm going to stand with it. God don't make no junk. Because a blind person is not junk. A blind person is a child of God and can do everything that a child of God needs to do. They are enough. They are fully equipped to do what God wants them to do. Now, obviously, being blind, there's going to be some limitations, right? There are going to be some things they can't hop in the car and drive. Not yet. Now, when we get to self-driving cars, that problem will be resolved. But right now, they can't. But when did God say you got to know how to drive? What we start doing is piling on standards, other criteria that God never ever said, this is what I want you to do. God said, be thou faithful unto death. He said, your whole duty is fear me and keep my commandments. And we do have some commandments there. But do you think God's going to meet somebody that's pretty gates and go, whoop, never had a driver's license, you can't come in. It's crazy. Oh, you didn't have vision. Well, no, nope, you're broke. You can't come in. But now we put that value there, don't we? And the fear of losing our eyes is a scary thought. It's, statistically, it's the last thing you and I would ever want to give up. You, you'll protect your eyes more than any other part of your body, statistically. That's what they say. And I do too, because that's the last thing I want to lose. I don't mind if I can't hear most of what's going on around me. It ain't worth hearing. And when it is worth hearing, they get my attention every time so that's all good but we make standards and then we evaluate ourselves and go well I'm not as tall as somebody or I, I can't I can't articulate as well as somebody or I'm not as good at studying as somebody or I, blah 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 
and then variety. No, there's no junk. There is no junk. God didn't make any. He made everybody with all the talent, the ability, the skill that they need to make it from that cute little baby picture in the corner all the way to heaven. And see, that's God's goal. Now, if you happen to be a CEO of a big company on the way, that's fine, but God don't care if you're a CEO or not. That's not, that's not why Christ went to Calvary. He went to get you from that stage, little pink baby, to the golden street. He planned for us to be different. This is great. This is a wonderful relief, actually. For even as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office, so we who are many are one body in Christ and severally members of one another, and having gifts differing according to the grace that was given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according, and he goes on to explain this. You could, if you want, use 1 Corinthians chapter 12, start at verse 12, and he talks about the body and about the different parts of the body, and if the hand says, well, I'm not the eye, or the foot says, I'm not the ear, or whatever he says there, and you know, and he says, look, we're all different. We're supposed to be different. Don't ever, ever look at somebody else and go, well, because I'm not like them, I'm inferior. It's okay to look and go, I'm not like them. They can sing a higher note than I can sing. They can play a better guitar than I can play. They can paint a better picture than I can paint. They can run faster than I can run, which at 60 is no problem for most people. They can fix a car better than I can fix a car. That'd be Dave Miller there, you know. They can do things I can't do, so what? As long as I don't look at that and go and conclude I'm inferior. Now, I have no problem in concluding that Dave Miller has a lot more years and experience under the hood and a lot more teaching and training in that department than I do. That's fine. That doesn't make me feel inferior at all. And so you can make those distinctions, but you never make the, and I must be inferior distinction. Don't do that one. Comparisons are dangerous. So Peter... This is after he denied Christ three times in the, in the cock crowed. And, and so Peter remembered the words which Jesus had said, Before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. What if Peter had made this comparison? What if he had thought about Judas and the 30 pieces of silver? And what if Peter had said, Well, I feel kind of bad about denying the Lord, but at least I didn't betray him for 30 pieces of silver. I'm not that bad. What would be the repentance in that one? You see, comparison can get you in trouble if you go the wrong way too. I can take you down to the Varner unit in a matter of speaking, and I can introduce you to people who have done a, a whole lot of horrendous things that you have never even thought about doing. And you are way better than them morally. But that's not the point, is it? If you're not right with the Lord, are you going to heaven? See? But we play the comparison game, we can get ourselves there. Let's use the um, talents. Let me jump down to verse 15. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his several ability, and he went on his journey. Now let's look at the two-talent man. So he looks down at the one-talent man, and he goes, boy, I'm somebody. And he gets all puffed up with pride. Bad comparison. Maybe he looks up at the five-talent man, and he looks at the two talents he's got, and he goes, well, I'm no good. Master must not like me. Only gave me two. Think I'll just go hide. Bad comparison, right? The idea here is to go two talents. My boss knows what he's doing. I'm going to do the best I can with the two talents I got. 
If you're the one talent man, you go, I just got a little bit of talent, I'm gonna do the best I can with what I got. You got five, then you, you got the same idea. And so you can get yourself in a lot of trouble with, with comparisons. Matthew 5, 16, it's your life that's supposed to be shining. Let me go back to my preacher comparison, because preachers do this. There are preachers in the brotherhood who uh, kind of be the t top ten kind of preachers. You know, they're the one everybody wants for a meeting and that kind of thing. And that's just the way it works. It's not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. But they look at another preacher and go, oh man, I wish I had his talent. Wish I had his ability to articulate a sentence or, or to do this or that or to study or to research or to get into Greek and Hebrew. Ugh, ugly stuff there. And we'll do that. Oh, Brother Bowman, wow, what I'd give to be. No, 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 no. You don't go there. God created you to let your light shine. He created whoever you're thinking about and whatever field you're thinking about for them to let their light shine. That's their job, and my job is to let mine shine, and Roy's job is to let his shine, and Eileen's let her shine, and Brenda's let her shine, and we'll stop on this pew and not go the rest of you. But you get the idea. God gave you a light. He said, look, let your light shine. Take your light and get out there and make a difference. And wherever you happen to be positioned in this big old world and whatever social connections you have and so on and so forth, take your light there. Maybe you don't know a lot of folks. That's fine. Maybe you know a lot of folks. Let it shine. BBS, this little Christian light of mine. I'm, you, got, you got the idea. I'd make you sing it, but nobody was smiling on that. It's like, uh-oh. Is he really? <clears throat> I think this is my last point. Comparisons can make you angry at God if you're not careful. A psalm by Asaph, surely God is good to Israel, even to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And the, he goes on to explain this further. By the end of the psalm, he works his way out of it. But basically what happens is he's going, look, this ain't fair. This ain't right. Here I am trying to live a good Christian life. I'm being as moral and good and loyal to God as I can, and I'm barely struggling paycheck to paycheck, and sometimes I don't even know how I'm going to get my medications, and there's that old stinking politician, we can point at about a thousand of those, and they're rolling in the dough and they don't have a worry or a problem, and they're just wicked, evil people. That's not right. And you're right, that's not right. But if you get caught up in that comparison, then you can slip and you can fall. You don't make that comparison. For the Christian, you're going to have to go back to 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, 7, 8, and I'm going to just give you the portion I remember. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. God knew just exactly what he was doing with my life, my creation, the, everything he gave me, and now I need to trust my creator and put my total trust in him. So, be careful about looking outward. That's the wrong direction. God looks on the heart, and this is where you want to be looking at your heart. Is your heart right with God? That's, that's the primary thing. There is a comparison that you do need to be making, and that's John 12, 48, and that is about the law that judges us, so you need to be picking up your Bible and making a comparison here. Am I walking in the footsteps of Jesus? Am I imitating Christ? Do make that one. Do make one other comparison, and that is with yourself. How often do we pray? Lord, help us to be better Christians in the future than we have been in the past. Okay? I agree with that. I, I agree you ought to up your game. I agree you ought to be able to look back and go, 
You know, a year ago I was on square 10. Now I'm on square 11. I've made progress. I think you ought to be able to see some kind of development. But I'm not asking you to compare yourself to anybody else in that. I'm asking you to compare you to you. From where you started your Christian journey to where you are today, is there improvement? And I don't believe you're going to make daily improvement. I think you probably ought to look a little more on the annual level, especially after you get all the big obvious things out of your life. But do make that comparison. Am I a better Christian today than I've been in the past? So, we'll close right there. God created you with enough talent to get the job done. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have what it takes. I guess the question is, do you have the, the faith to trust God and to understand what he's, he's looking for you, out of you, <coughs> of you? Ecclesiastes 12, 13, we're going to close with that. The whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. Quite simply, are you? If you are, then you're a success in God's eyes, and that's the only judgment that counts. If you're not, then you're a failure in God's eyes, and that's not acceptable, and it's time to make a change.